encourage you to get your Bibles out. If you have a paper copy or a digital copy, open to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. If you're a guest and you're here, here with us today, I want to thank you for being here. It is great to have you. And uh, if you're joining us online, this is the first time you've joined us online, I want to thank you for being here with us. And uh, if you're here on campus, there's a little connection card right there in the chair in front of you. If you fill that out and give it to me at the end of the service, we'd love to thank you for being a part of our worship. This week we'll send you out a letter thanking you for that and uh, want to let you know that we genuinely do appreciate you coming out and joining us here in this place. If you're online and you're watching us, if you go to oakleafbaptist.org, in the upper right-hand corner there's a guest registration button, and you can click on that button and, and uh, fill out the information. It'll send me an email, and I'd be glad to reach out to you and thank you for being a part of our worship here in this place as well. Listen, uh, just uh, amazing to see what God has set for us. As uh, The staff met a few weeks ago, and we began to go over our calendar for this year and uh, getting a lot of events on the calendar and set up and planned and a lot of prayer going into what we have going on with our children's ministry and teen ministry and music ministry, what we're looking to do with our discipleship process and what we're looking to do with our outreach into the community. So there's a lot of things that we're building on coming out of this COVID uh, quarantine and everything that took place in 2020. We're still trying to work our way through that, and we'd, uh, we would genuinely appreciate your prayer as we continue to be sensitive to uh, people who are getting sick and, and what's going on around us, but also being sensitive to the need for people to know Jesus Christ and the gospel. Uh, help us to have wisdom, that God would give us wisdom and innovation to being able to be uh, efficient about getting the gospel out to people that need it and also providing discipleship opportunities for those uh, who have come to faith in Christ. So there's a lot going on, a lot that we, we need God to bless us with wisdom and with insight to know how to, how to strategically work through a lot of those things and uh, want to ask you just to keep us in prayer regarding that. Uh, let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Excited about this, excited to be here today. And we're going to look at the book of Ephesians. Now, I want to talk about the book going, going into this message. I want to lay out a, a picture of the book of Ephesians just real briefly. The book of Ephesians is a book that was written to a church while Paul was in his his first prison sentence. Now, in Paul's first prison sentence, he was basically under house arrest, probably uh, not far from the Praetorian Guards' uh, quarters. And in that, Paul was paying out of his own pocket to live in probably an apartment-like uh, environment while he wrote the prison epistles. Ephesians is being one of those prison epistles. Uh, Paul is writing back to a group of people that he reached with the gospel, and he went, when Paul first went to Ephesus, uh, he was with Aquila and Priscilla, and he spent about three years in Ephesus declaring the gospel and discipling believers. Now, I want you to understand, Paul had an incredible impact as he came into Ephesus. As he comes into Ephesus and he declares the gospel and people begin to get saved, Ephesus was turned upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, understand, in Asia Minor, Ephesus was a business hub. It was, it was a religious hub. It was a social hub. Uh, a, a lot of things went through this town of Ephesus. And what this did was it allowed the gospel to be, to be generated and carried through these trade routes and political discourses, everything that would take place, politics and, and, and money and, and commerce. All of this was taking the gospel all over Asia Minor. And it was because Paul was sent to Ephesus to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that gospel was able to affect a whole region because Paul was faithful to go. 
So as we look at this, Paul has, has a significant investment into the, the Ephesus church. Now, understand in the book of Ephesians, we don't see a lot of names being mentioned particularly. However, it is a personal letter, but it's written to a group of churches that, that were, were referred to or, or referenced to as the church at Ephesus. So I want you to understand that as we go into this. Now, there's two other interesting uh, mentions of the church of Ephesus in Scripture that I think are really important that we understand this morning as we dive into what we see here in, Eph in Ephesians chapter 5. So the first thing is, if you go back to the book of Acts, Paul, uh, the gospel is brought into Ephesus, and great revival takes place. And in the process of all that taking place, uh, you might remember the story in the book of Acts where uh, the people actually took their cards of divination and their sinful materials and they actually burned them. There was such great revival that they, they basically took what they felt was valuable in their lives at that time as an unbeliever and they, they burned it as a sacrifice to get rid of it and destroy it. And if you study that out, you'll find out there's about seven, in today's day money, seven million dollars worth of stuff was burned when this revival took place. So understand that there was a significant revival as, as the gospel was carried into Ephesus and this takes place. The other place we see Ephesus mentioned in Scripture is in Revelation. In, the, in Revelation chapter 2, we see the book, of, uh, uh, the book of Revelation mentions the church at Ephesus. And the church of Ephesus is, is given praise for many things. However, it was rebuked for one particular thing that you may remember when I bring it out, and that is they were rebuked for, for leaving or losing their first love. Now, I want you to consider this in the book of Revelation as we see that, that brought to the church of Ephesus and them, and them uh, kind of rebuked for that fact. I want you to understand the heart of Paul as he writes chapter 5 and as he declares to this church, the significance of living the life of a believer. Now, as I was praying, as pastor gave me opportunity to prepare for this message here today, I began to ask God, what would you, what would you have me to speak on with it being the new year, the first Sunday of the year? And as I began to study this, I dove into Ephesians chapter 5 because I believe Ephesians chapter 5 lays out an incredible, incredible recipe, instructions for us to have lives that reflect Jesus Christ and lives that would, would be gospel-focused and enable us to live in, a, in a, such a way in 2022 that we could bring glory to God as we end it out come December 31st of this next year, of this year. Let's look at this passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 1 through 21. The Bible says, Be ye therefore followers of God. As dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. But fornication and all uncleanliness and covetousness, uh, let it not be once named among you as become as saints, neither filthiness nor foolishness, talking or jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks." For this ye know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you 
with vain words. For because of uh, these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes in darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wow, this is a lot to unpack in just uh, the two hours I'm going to be speaking to you here this morning. Okay, so... We are going to dive into this, and, and we're going to do a, a panoramic view of this passage of Scripture just as an encouragement, something for me to try to provide for you today as you, as you look forward to 2022 and your life as a believer and as you map out what you can do as a believer in Jesus Christ to live that life that would bring honor and glory to the Father. Let's look at the first thing here. And the first thing he brings out in this passage, verse 1, is to follow Christ. If you look here in verse 1, he says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Listen, the first thing we see in verse 1 is, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Listen, if there's one thing I know, and you may have heard this passage before, and people expound on it, and that is that, that children reflect. Children are an image of their parents. You don't believe me? You want me to put a picture of my son up there? He's a 24-year-old he's a Bill. He's bald. He's got facial hair. He's, he acts. I look at how he acts. I'm thinking, man, I remember when I acted like that. Listen, guys, children bear the image of their parents. I think it's funny as, 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 my, as my kids were growing up, Kate when Kate got to be an older teenager, people used to get my wife and Kate mixed up. They would think that Kate was Sandy and Sandy was Kate, and that used to drive Kate crazy. Kate started dyeing her hair and doing all kinds of stuff so that people would know she's not Sandy. Okay, She looks like her mama. Listen, folks, children bear the image of those who conceived them and delivered them into this world. When we look in the Scripture and Paul tells us here that we as children of God ought to be imitators. We ought to bear the image of Jesus Christ if we have Jesus Christ in us. And then look at verse 2. He says, this is how you do it. If you look at verse 2, he says, you do this because of your love. If you see here, he says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering 
and a sacrifice to God. We walk in love. We give ourselves, our souls, we give our lives for others to be able to see God. And what does this do? Verse 2 says that when we live this way, it presents a sacrifice, a sweet-smelling sacrifice to the Father. Now listen, when I was studying this and I got diving into, into some of the commentaries on it, the one commentator brought out, I thought it was really interesting, the idea of the sweet-smelling sacrifice. Guys, sacrifice costs you something. If you think you can sacrifice and it not costs you something, then you're really not sacrificing. You're, you're just throwing away trash. When you sacrifice, you are giving up something that is valuable to you. And you are making it a sacrifice to a heavenly father who gave his only begotten son for our sinfulness so that we could be reconciled to him. Now, when Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary, the Bible says that it was a sweet-smelling sacrifice. It was a sacrifice of everything. Jesus laid his life down. He gave it up, as the Word of God tells us. No man took it. He laid it down willingly. And that was a sweet-smelling sacrifice to the Father in heaven. Listen, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2 says, When we live in love for others... And we live in love in such a way where we're affecting the souls of others. It is a sweet-smelling sacrifice. It costs us to live that way. And God recognizes it and he accepts it as something for him. The problem is, as believers, many of us get caught up in a mindset that we're only willing to sacrifice when it helps us to look better or to gain something. And you don't sacrifice to get. You sacrifice to give. The greatest passage in Scripture you could ever read about giving is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. He did not keep. He gave. He sacrificed. He gave something of tremendous value to him so that he could reach the souls of mankind. And what God asks us to do here through Paul's writing in Ephesians chapter 5 is to be willing to love the way God did and be willing to give of our soul to people who need Jesus Christ. And when we do that, it is a sweet savor, but it is a sacrifice. So first thing we see here in the passage in Ephesians 5 is the first part of the equation or instruction is to follow Christ. And you know, you cannot follow Christ without rejecting sin. Let's look at verses, uh, verses 3 through 5. The Bible says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Verse 5, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetousness, that is, a person who is an idolater, that means that something is more important in your life than God is. The Bible says they have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Listen, if somebody values a thing in their life greater than they value God, he says that person can't, they're not going to be able to have a place in the kingdom of God. It makes perfect sense. Either you're worshiping God and you, you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior 
and you are part of the kingdom or you reject Jesus Christ and you don't worship God and you put an idol, some other thing that you're going to live for or you're going to serve in your life and that is what you're going to invest in. But you can't invest in this thing, this idol in your life and then call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ. You either follow Christ or you don't. When you look here in Scripture, there, there, it, I think it's very clear here that, that there is a definitive this is the bottom line to what the equation would equal. And that equation would equal, you're either an idolater or a follower of Christ, but you can't be both. So, it makes sense when Paul opens this passage with be a follower of Christ, and then for him to dive into verses 3 through 5 and say, and a follower of Christ doesn't have these things in their life. Then we look here, not just about being a follower of Christ and rejecting sin, but do you know what gets you involved in sin? It's about who you listen to. It's interesting that Paul says that to be a follower of Christ, you need to reject sin. And in the process of rejecting sin, you have got to beware of who you allow to influence your life and who you listen to. Look at what he says here in verses uh, we'll start in verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. The, now listen, let's stop right there. We're talking about an unregenerate person who has idols in their life and doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. Trying to influence someone who is a follower of Jesus Christ. And in the process in verses 6, he says, let not... One of these deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. He says, listen, then there's going to come a day when the wrath of God is going to fall on these people who are idolaters, and they're going to spend an eternity in a burning hell. Now, if you're wanting to go down that track, follow those people. If you're wanting to be a follower of Christ and not have sin in your life, then you've got to realize that what they're trying to entice you to is empty and there is nothing but heartache at the end of it. Then he says, verse 7, therefore do not become, do you see that word there, partners with them? If you look in, in, the, uh, in the King James, it says, be not ye therefore uh, partakers with them. The idea of being a partaker is the idea, it's translated also a partner. You become in contract with them. You become in, in, in unity with them in what they're doing. He says, don't do that. Now, I say that clearly because of this. You may be sitting here today and say, well, pastor, what do you think about people who try to reach people that are involved in sinful things in the world, people who are alcoholics and drug addicts and, and people who are, are, are in, in, um, in uh, uh, human trafficking and, and, and people who are involved in all these horrible, dark places in this world if we're not supposed to be partakers with them and partners with them how are we supposed to reach them understand the definition of a partner a partner says i agree with you i support you and i'm going to be part of what you're doing that is not what we're doing when we're trying to reach these people with the gospel of jesus christ when we try to reach these people with the gospel of jesus christ we are not becoming part of what they do we are trying to to get to know them and let them know that god loves them in spite of what they do not that we're trying to become part of it, but that we're trying to love them and be, become part of their life to have influence, to share 
Jesus Christ with them. As we look here, we see verse 7 is critical to the idea here that when we reach people or we're trying to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we need to be careful about how we let them influence us as we build relationships with them. And our relationships need to be focused on winning them to Jesus Christ and not becoming a part of the sin that they're trying to propagate in the world. He says in verse 8, For at one time you were, you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. We come back to verse 1. Children reflect who their parent is. If we are a follower of Jesus Christ, we should no longer desire to walk in the darkness that these people are trying to communicate to us and deceive us with these empty words that get us involved in what they're doing. We need to walk in such a way that we are light in that dark part of this world. And then verse 9 says, For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And I think it's interesting here, as you look here, it says in verse 9, if you, again, I reference back to the King James, where the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. This verse is very key to the believer understanding God's will. If you want to understand God's will, you will understand where the light of Christ is found. When you find the light of Christ in your life, you find what God's will is for you. And in doing that, you see here that that light is found in all righteousness and goodness and righteousness and in truth. This means that God is good. God is righteous and God is truth. That's who he is. When Jesus Christ came to the cross of Calvary, he was bringing to this world good, righteousness, and truth. Now, we may not like the truth, and we may not be righteous, and we may not be good. But when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we take the Holy Spirit into our lives, and now God resides in us. And as God resides in us, our lives should reflect goodness and righteousness and truthfulness. As we see here, this is where the will of God is found and we live out our life. And he says in verse 10, and, and this, this is why I'm saying, verse 10, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. That's his will. But he says this in verse 11, but take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Listen, to become Part of them is not exposure. When, when he says here that we need to look at them and we need to, verse 11, take no part in them, but it says, instead expose them. Listen, the only way to expose darkness is to shine light on it. And if we are going to get involved in the dark places of this world, listen, there's messy marriages and messy families that, that, are, that are just drowning in sinful behavior, pride and arrogance and unkindness and all of these things that that folks is sin in this world if we're going to help these families and help these homes then we're going to have to take the light of jesus christ into them and in love provide rebuke to expose the darkness and the sin that's there as we deal with 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 people that struggle with addictions as we deal with people who struggle with all kinds of heartache and hardship from the, from the impact of sin in this world. 
It's the light of Christ in our life that allows us to go in and expose the darkness for what it is. And it's not because we're trying to be unkind. It's a light of love and forgiveness. It's goodness and righteousness and truth. We get to verse 12 and he says, For it is a shameful even to speak of things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. Let's face it, many people live in this world and they're involved in sinful behavior because, honestly, they're sinners. And they don't realize that what they're doing is sinful. They're just doing what they do. I want you to think about this. So, have you ever watched one of them um, when animals attack shows? Y'all ever watch one of those when animal attack shows? Okay, so they got this big grizzly bear, this big brown bear, and 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 they take it to this TV set, and he's going to perform some stunt or do something funny, and all of a sudden the bear goes wild and bites somebody and mauls somebody, and it gets real ugly and it's messy. Folks, the bear is just being a bear. Okay, you can put him on a leash and put a little bow on his head. And you can teach him to dance in a little circle. And you can, there are certain things that you can get him to do. But folks, he's still a bear. He's got a bear mind. He's got a bear heart. And guess what bears do? They like to eat. So you put a bear in an environment where it's something that he wants to eat. He doesn't realize it's that movie star. Okay? He doesn't realize it's that guy they hired to do that commercial for whatever it is. He sees this person and either the smell or just the fact that he's hungry and wants to chew on something causes him by nature to do it. It's no different with people in this world, folks. You know why people do hard things? You know why there's Jeffrey Dahmers in this world? You know why there's Ted Bundy's in this world? Because they're doing what a sinful heart does. And they think in their action and behavior, they're just doing what sin, what, they're doing what they want to do. They are appeasing their flesh. That's what sin is. So we have to be careful to, in our hearts towards these people as we bring the light of the gospel into their life. We have to understand as we expose the sin for what it is, they are going to have a hard time conceiving it because in the flesh and in nature, they don't understand but the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit brings conviction. The, Roman, the, the book of Romans chapter 10 tells us that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it says, and how can they hear without what? A preacher, a messenger. That doesn't mean that I'm the only one responsible to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That messenger or that preacher, the one who carries the light into this dark world is every one of us that knows Jesus Christ is our personal savior. But they, they will never hear about the gospel if we don't go. The Bible continues to say in that passage of Romans that how could they hear if no one is sent? Listen, I give you permission, you're sent. Go tell people about Jesus Christ and love them. Love them, love them, love them, and pray that the Holy Spirit convicts their heart and their life of the sin and helps them to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 14. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleep, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It's to say that when you have the Holy Spirit 
begin to convict your heart and your life about sin, the Holy Spirit is shining the light of Jesus Christ on you. And when you accept Jesus Christ into your life, he will continue to shine the light of God on sin in your life and convict you and work in you and draw you to walk with him. As we look here, we see that we are not to become partners. Be careful who we listen to. Don't become partners with them. We need to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't, don't believe their empty words. Don't believe the, 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 the things they're trying to tell you to get involved in what they're doing because what they're doing is what the natural man would do. And if we know Jesus Christ is our personal Savior, we now have a spiritual man that lives within us called the Holy Spirit that we need to listen to and obey. So be careful as you live in this world. And I wanted to dive into this, and I, I know time's running short, but I wanted to bring this to you. You say, Bill, why did Paul, you say, why did Paul direct them about this in Ephesians chapter 5? Well, it's interesting, we'd have that question. In Acts chapter 6, which we'll be studying here hopefully in the near future as we continue our services in Acts, in Acts chapter 6, we see a place in church history where the church selects seven men from among the church to become part of the pastoral staff or the pastoral ministry in the church there in Jerusalem. One of those men's name was Nicholas. Now, over time, the Bible, if you study, you'll find out that many believe that Nicholas began to live his life in such a way where through what we asceticism or or disciplining the flesh when it did things that it shouldn't be doing, that he would he would get sin out of his life, and this turned into a a belief or a religious system called the Nicolaitans, and the Nicolaitans this is at core what they believed they believed that the flesh is wicked and everything spiritual is good with God. But our flesh will always be wicked, so we can, in, we, we, we can indulge the flesh in what we do. And the flesh side doesn't affect the spirit side of a person's life. So this is the idea here. To conform to the Roman culture is what the Nicolaitans would try to force people to do. It seemed to encourage Christians in Ephesus to do the same in a time of dire persecution. And if you look at 1 Corinthians 6.12, you'll see this come out even more. But the idea here is that the Nicolaitans appear to try to get these believers in Ephesus to begin to, to embrace the sin in Roman culture rather than living their lives separate as believers in Jesus Christ. Now, this is rooted in what we find in Scripture to be the, the Gnostics. As you read Scripture and you, you study the Gnostics, you'll find out that, that in the Old Testament, uh, it's an interesting study to find out what Gnostics believed before it was actually kind of introduced or interwoven into part of some of the Judaism that exists. But the Gnostics were very interesting, and in they held that, that matter was corrupt. So they considered their body to be corrupt. So the, the trend of uh, the Gnostics was to teach that there is no harm in indulging in fleshly desires, since the body is utter, utterly corrupt anyway, and it's beyond redemption. The flesh is beyond redemption. Other Gnostics, perhaps the majority of them, held that the body must be kept in check with strict discipline. So you have the Gnostics that developed this idea, and Nicholas grabbed onto part of that Gnostic teaching, and it became prevalent in the church that the flesh can, can never be redeemed. 
So just do what you want because the flesh is always going to be corrupt. Basically, it's the idea of giving somebody a license to sin. And Paul says we never have a license to sin. If we look here and we see that is the premise or the foundation for why Paul, in these, this passage from verses 6 to 13 or 14, this is why he tells the Ephesus church, don't listen to these people. What people were he referring to? He's referring to the, the Nicolaitans and the Gnostics because they're trying to get the church to ease up a little bit. They're trying to get believers to not live out their faith in Jesus Christ and be the light. They're trying to get them to accept the meat that was offered to idols. They're trying to get them to accept the things in this world that, that uh, they want them to accept so they can feel more comfortable around them. And Paul's saying, don't give in to them desiring you to accept them. Live as the light in darkness. So, all that to get to this, and we have about three minutes to cover this, these next verses, 15 through 21. So how can we take all of this and live wisely? How can we take all of what Paul said here in chapter 5 thus far and live wisely? How can we apply it to 2022? Well, here's how you can do it. Verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. First and foremost, be wise and use scripture and the Holy Spirit to make life choices. Be wise and use the Holy Spirit to make life choices. In verse 15, look carefully then how you walk. He says, not as unwise, but as wise. And as we look at what he teaches us in chapter 5 here at the beginning, walking wisely is walking in the light. Walking wisely is walking in Jesus Christ that you've been redeemed in. How about verse 16? Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Listen, this year we need to be wise and use the Scripture and the Spirit of God to guide us. We also need to be good stewards of what God's given us. It's, just, it's not about just our time. It's about every aspect of our life. We need to be good stewards in our marriages, in our families, in our, in our finances, in our walk with God, in our relationships with people, in our workplaces. All of these areas, in the places that we, have, that we play, our hobbies. Listen, all of these areas, we need to be wise with our time. We need to be good stewards in 2022. How about in verse 17? Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Listen, we can know what God's will is. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking, Bill, I have no idea what God's will for my life is. You need to come talk to me. You need to come talk to me. Let's sit down and let's start discussing what the Word of God talks about regarding God's will for our lives as believers. It, listen, the, the will of God is not some spooky thing that you're walking down uh, Oakley Parkway one day trying to be healthy and all of a sudden the heavens open and this light shines down on you and, and something takes place where all of a sudden you know the will of God. No, you can know the will of God because it's in His Word that's spoken to us very clearly in how to follow Him and be directed by Him. How about verse 18? I do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And in the King James Bible, it says, don't be drunk with wine, wherein is excess. That word excess is also translated here, as you look, as debauchery. What, is, what does that mean? If you, if you look it up in the dictionary or in a concordance, you'll find out debauchery means unsavedness. It's reckless extravagance or wasteful in use of the resources. That's what being in excess is. 
you take things to an unhealthy extreme. You're not being a good steward. He says, be filled with the Spirit rather than live in wastefulness. You see here, he says in verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. See, we need to be unified with other believers. Look at what he says here. He says in, in verse 19, singing and making melody. You know how you make melody? Melody is what makes everything come together. Melody is the heart of a song. When, when you get up here and if you sing, the person that sings melody is singing the main, typically the main line of a song. And then you have, you have your basses and your tenors and you have your sopranos and you have your altos and, and you can have your first sopranos and you have your first altos and you can have your first tenors and second tenors. You can have all kinds of people up here singing these parts and baritone and I mean, all of it sounds really cool. But I want to ask you something. What if, what if somebody that comes up here to sing with Jeff what if they decide they don't want to sing that song? So they just break out in their own song, doing their own thing. Would that disrupt you if you were trying to worship? Come on now. How about if, if Jeff decided, you know what, y'all sing this song, but I'm going to play a different song on the piano. Could you imagine that mess? I'm here to tell you today, our churches are in that mess. Our churches are in that mess. We have people that have their own will, walking to their own tune, living, living the music of their own life, and they are not in melody. They're not, they're not in, in chorus with everybody else around them. They're doing their own thing, causing disruption and being a problem. As you look here in the passage of Scripture, you see we need to be unified with other believers. The melody. Now, listen, this melody is not something that comes outwardly. Look at what he says here at the end of verse 20, uh, 20 or 20, 19, I'm sorry. Look at where the melody comes from, folks. With your what? Come on, class. With your what? Your heart. It doesn't say with your mouth. It says with your heart. Listen, if you're out of sync with believers, it's because there's an issue in your heart. Listen, we can sing songs and make it look like we agree. But the reality is, if in our heart we don't agree, it's going to come out in how we play with others. As we look here, we see it's important for us to be on the same song. Doing your part, by the way, in timing. I can, I'm sure if I asked Jeff to stand up and testify, he could testify to people who have horrible timing when they play instruments. Could you imagine us letting someone play the drums that had bad timing? It would mess everything up. Everything. It's important that we understand sometimes it's not the right time for you to say what you think you should say. Maybe it's time for you to pray rather than speak. Come on now. Don't look at me like that, please. Come on, guys. Timing is everything. If we know the will of God and we're following the will of God, then we should allow the timing of what the Spirit wants us to say be at play in our lives and not the timing of what we want to say to be in our lives. This all comes that verse 19. And notice here, I'm kind of dissecting the end of verse 19 because that's what struck me. 
It's a melody, so everybody's unified. It's with your heart. And look at what it says in between the melody and your heart. Who's it to? It's to the Lord. See, you think you're, you think you're saying something to me or you think you're doing something to me. Listen, what you need to understand is, is if you say something to me, you're actually saying it to the Lord. If I say something to you, I'm actually saying it to the Lord because what I say and what I do needs to be in unity and needs to be for my heart and it needs to be to the Lord. I'm doing this representing the Lord. I'm doing this representing God. It doesn't matter whether you're a pastor or, or someone who, who, who sweeps the parking lot. Whatever you do for the cause of Jesus Christ ought to be to the Lord. So as we look here, verse 20, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be thankful in 2022. Boy, I'm thankful in 2022 that I have not been required to wear a mask as of yet. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to be political. I'm just telling you right now, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that my family is healthy. Now, obviously, sickness is there. I'm saying there's no sickness unto death. There are people that have it far worse. People that don't know if they're going to make it through tonight. Thank God. Praise his name. I don't have to live with that. Verse 21. And I, I, I wanted to spend more time here, but I can't. Submitting to one another out of the reverence for Christ. In 2022, one lesson that I know I need to learn and become better at. I fail miserably at being humble. In my home, in my marriage, in my workplace, in my church. None of those things can be healthy without God's people being humble. If we expect to be the light that Jesus Christ desires us to be, and the Bible expects us to be the servant that God's called us to be. Servants don't tell their masters what they're going to do and what they are not going to do. We've got to be humble. Listen, folks, the takeaways for today is God did not save you for you to be a better you. Verses 1 through, through 3. He didn't save you to be a better you. He saved you to be a reflection of him. Amen? The second thing I saw in this passage as a takeaway is when we are followers of Christ, our actions identify us as belonging to Christ. We will reject sin and embrace righteousness. The third takeaway for today is be careful who we follow to influence us in this world. Be careful who you follow. Everything should be judged in accordance to the Word of God. If somebody tells you something, go to the Word of God and make sure it's true and right. Make sure it falls within the principles and precepts of Scripture. And the last thing, verse 15 to 21, it gives us instructions on how to live wisely. And I believe we could take these instructions and apply them to 2022. With all my heart, I believe we could do that. And if we do it, I'm convinced we will be a light in a dark world. And that's what he's called us to be. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and care for us. Thank you for the opportunity to, to open your word today and the power that rests in your word. Father, I know that I'm, I'm just a messenger. 
Father, I submit to what your word can do. The power of what we have in this place is through the scriptures, through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And Father, today as we look forward to this year 2022, I pray that you would challenge each of us to be a light in a dark world. Help us to find that place that needs Jesus and help us to love the people there. And God, in the process of doing that, help us to be careful not to become partnered with them, but to become passionate about reaching them with Jesus. Father, as we live our lives in this place, I pray that as brothers and sisters in Christ, you would help us. Help us to have hearts in unity. Help us. Help us, God to understand the importance to do what we do for you and then help us to be humble as we do it. God, help your people in this place and ask you to work in our hearts and lives through your scripture, through your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Maybe you're here today and you hear me talk about darkness and light. You've heard me talk about Jesus and the cross of Calvary and Maybe you're new to to understanding or hearing what the Word of God has to say, but I'm here to tell you today that Jesus Christ went to the cross to die for your sin. If you're listening at home and you're sitting there and you're listening and you've never come to a place where you've accepted Jesus Christ, you said, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. You went to the cross of Calvary and you died for my sin. And I want you to forgive me for my sin and reconcile me to the Father. And from here on out, Jesus, I want to live for you. I want to live for the Father. I give my life to you. If you've never done that, and you're here in this place, or you're watching all live, right now, where you sit, where you're at, you can make that decision to become a believer in Jesus Christ and to give your life to him. And I challenge you, if you haven't done that, to do it right now where you sit. The altar is open as we sing our hymn of invitation. Let God deal with your heart as you see fit. Lord, I need you. I appreciate you being here today. I hope that the Word of God has spoken to your heart and life. gives you something to think about and meditate on as we go through into the week. And listen, uh, I can't say it enough. Thank you for letting me serve you. Thank you for letting me minister here. Thank you for giving the opportunity to devote my life to studying God's Word and teaching it and bring it to you. And I pray as we go into 2022, I pray that our church reaches more people with Jesus Christ this year than we ever have. Let's be light in darkness. Let's do it. Father, thank you. As we go our way, be with us, watch over us, guide, direct us. Help us to be light in the lost and dying world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you.